0: My financial advisers tell me that if you were to take this money and use it to run Warburg Mills, you could give me a very much better rate of interest. It is only a business matter. You would not be obliged to me in any way. It is you who would be doing. Me, the servant. That's why my boys and I do not like to watch those movies, because of the kissing at the end. Why do they have to have the kissing? Such a good movie, right at the end, but you know what my girls tell me? They say, Dad, what, I, what happens is they're sitting there, they're watching the movie, I come down and say, okay, that's the end of it, let's turn it to sports But They say, Dad, we've been waiting, what, the whole movie to watch this kiss. I have to be honest with you, if I was really honest, it does have to end that way, doesn't it? It does have to end with a kiss. It would not be right for that kind of a movie to end without that scene. In fact, I want you just to imagine with me for just a moment what if the guy grabs her face, pulls her in close, and all of a sudden there's an explosion at the train depot. And he's dramatically killed right there in front of her eyes. And she sees his dying breath. And all of a sudden the movie goes off and it's credits. Now part of me and my boys would say, that was an awesome movie. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) that's the way a movie ought to end, amen? But I have to be honest, that is really not the way a movie like that should end. That's kind of where we are in our story as we pick up in Luke chapter 15 today. We've been talking about coming home. We've been talking about how God wants us to come home and to come back to Him. But we're going to see today as we study Luke chapter 15 that there's a part of the story that does not fit. It doesn't make sense. I mean, it's all been leading up to something awesome, something beautiful, something wonderful. But then something happens, something comes in that does not seem right just to give you an idea if you haven't been here with us over the last few weeks we're looking at a story that Jesus told in his word in Luke chapter 15 about how much God cares for us and he talks about how there's some religious people that were kind of looking down their nose at some people because they were sinners they were people that uh, that they thought were not the kind of people that God would deal with and so Jesus spends several stories teaching us in Luke chapter 15 that we should have no doubt in our minds That God cares for us. That God loves us. That God is willing to accept us if we will come to Him. Even if we are some of those sinner people. Amen? And really part of the story is that all of us are sinners. That all of us need Him. But there's something that enters in at the end of the story, picking up in verse 25, that does not seem to fit. And that's what we want to talk about together because God is honest with us. Yes, He cares for us. Yes, He's making an incredible offer to us. If we will give our lives to Him, He will change our lives forever. He will work in our lives. He will work through our lives, but we've got to understand something. If you're coming back to God right now, that is a great thing, but not everyone is going to be happy about it. How could that possibly be? How could it be that I've messed up my life, that I've, that I've gone the wrong direction, that I haven't done what God wanted me to do in my life. And how could it be that anybody would not be excited that I was now turning, turning back to God and coming back home to Him? But the Bible says that's the reality. So let's look at it in Luke chapter 15, verses, uh, picking up in verse 25. After telling the story about how this young son had come back to his father and about the celebration that had come as a result of that, it says in verse twenty five. Now his older son was in the field, and when he came and approached the house, he heard music and dancing. By the way, for those of you Christians that are just a little bit stodgy, God dances. God gets excited about some things. There is music and dancing when we give our lives to God. Isn't that incredible? And he summoned one of the servants, the son did. He began inquiring what these things could be. What's up with the party? He said to him, your brother has come. And your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. What wonderful news, amen? What great news. But he, the son, became angry and was not willing to go into the party. And his father came out from the party and began pleading with him. But he answered and said to his father, Look, for so many years I have been serving you, and I have never neglected a command of yours. Yet you have never given me a young goat. So that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this this son of yours came, who has devoured your wealth with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. He said to him, Son, you have always been with me. And all that is mine is yours. But we had to celebrate and rejoice. For this brother of yours was dead and has begun to live. And was lost and has been found. Surprisingly, if you are here and you say, you know what, my heart is open to God. I haven't been walking with God and I want to turn around and I want to give my life to Him. Surprisingly, there are going to be some people that are not going to be happy about that. When you give your life to God, in fact, some people will refuse to celebrate that with you. Look at what's described in verses 25 through 28. It says, the older son, he's been out in the field working. On his way back to the house, he hears the celebration, but instead of going inside, instead of being excited, man, there's a party, what's going on? We never have parties at our house, I'm excited about this. Let me go see what's happening. It says, he starts asking the service, he says, what's going on? You almost even get a sense from the beginning, he has a... Kind of a a questioning attitude from the beginning. But especially when he finds out who the party's for, it's especially surprising. You could see him walking up and saying, hey, what's going on? What's what's going on with the party? What's what's happening here? You could kind of understand that. But when he finds out that his brother has come home, the Bible says he's not willing to go to the party. Why don't you think about that for just a moment? What if your brother had left home? What if your brother had said, I don't have anything to do with you people. Give me what's mine. I'm packing up. I'm heading out of here. And apparently he, he had some kind of understanding. I don't know if they had gotten word back about the brother in some way or what. But apparently he had some understanding that his brother had gotten his life in big time trouble. So imagine your brother being away from home, getting his life in a mess, and now he comes back. What would your response be? Praise God. Thank God he's okay. Thank God he's safe. Thank God he's come back. Thank God he's, he's being received. That My dad is not upset because I wasn't sure if he ever came back how dad would receive him. Why would his first reaction not be, this is great? Why would he not be overjoyed? It's very difficult. It's very confusing, isn't it? It's very hurtful when people around you don't get excited when God is at work in your life. Amen? Isn't that discouraging? I mean, here's a guy that, I mean, here specifically these verses are talking about salvation. They're talking about that we as human beings get far away from God. There comes a point in our life where God reaches out to us. He speaks to us. He lets us know that Jesus came to die for our sins, that we can be forgiven for everything we've done wrong, that we can come back to God and have a relationship with Him. How could you not be excited about that? How could you not be excited if you're a dad, if you're a brother, if you're a sister, if you're an aunt, how could you not be excited about your relative, your friend, having their life changed by God, amen? Maybe for you, maybe you've already given your life to the Lord, but maybe, maybe God's been speaking your life, maybe you're, you're following that path, that direction that God has for your life, and you know what, sometimes people aren't excited about that, amen? Amen? Sometimes you say, you know, God's really speaking to me about about some changes in my life. God's really speaking to me about who I hang out with. God's really speaking to me that that maybe that alcohol is not a good thing for my life. God's really speaking to me about how I use my mouth. God's really speaking to me about even, you know what? I think God may be speaking to me about following Him and serving Him in some kind of special way. There's some people that even say, you know what? I think God's calling me to quit my job. To serve God in a full-time kind of a way. If you think about it from a biblical point of view, if you think about it from a bigger point of view, shouldn't everybody be excited about that? Shouldn't everybody say, that is the greatest, good job, we are so proud of you. That is the greatest choice that you could ever make with your life. But unfortunately, that's not what always happens, is it? Everyone is not going to be excited. In fact, some people are going to refuse to celebrate that with you. That's very difficult, isn't it? I mean, it's hard enough to give your life to God. Amen? It's hard enough to get to that point in your life where you're willing to submit yourself to God and His path for your life and receive His gift and admit that you need Him or, or say, okay, God, I'll do whatever it is you want me to do. But then for people to not support you in that, the Bible says that's the reality. You see, it's been exciting so far as we've been studying Luke chapter 15. It's been good to know that God cares. God cares. It's been good to know that we can come back. It's been good to know that he he would accept us, and not only accept us, but rejoice and celebrate. There's almost nothing greater to God than us coming back to him. That's a great story. I wish we'd have ended it last week, amen? I wish we'd have ended it before we got to these verses, because that's the way I would like for it to be. Aren't you glad that God is honest with us? And he tells us that we need to realize that, look, Yes, I'm doing some amazing things in your life, but some people, at least initially, and maybe never, but, but at least initially, some people are not going to be supportive of that. Let's look at the verses in, in verses 29 through 30 to explore that a little bit more. Because one of the main reasons for that, because we might ask that, why would somebody not do that? Why would somebody refuse to be a part of a, a celebrate what God's doing in my life? Verses 29 through 30 tell us one of the main reasons. One of the primary reasons that other people don't get excited about God's work in your life is because of their own interests. There's something, listen, there's something about your decision that is threatening to them. It's very important for you to realize that. It's very important for you to be to acknowledge it, to, to be realistic about it, to be honest about the reality that, that people aren't going to accept it, but you need to realize that the reason for that. Is because there's something about their own life that that threatens. That it doesn't serve their interests for some reason. When you come back to God, not everybody's going to be happy. Some people are going to focus on themselves. Look at verses 29 through 30. It says, but he answered and said to his father, Look, for so many years I've been serving you. I've never neglected a command of yours. And yet you've never given me so much as, we could say, a young goat. So that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours... Don't you love the way he puts that? When he came, by the way, which son? That son who who wasted all your money and has been just kind of wasting his life. You killed a fattened calf for him. Have you ever shared something significant that happened in your life or in your heart? with someone else but they did not even hear it because they were so focused on themselves have you ever had that happen maybe you're a young person or maybe you're a you're a a young adult maybe your parents got divorced maybe you struggled with years for with going to see your mom and 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 you kind of came to grips with that you know because you struggled with some decisions that she had made and so finally you got to the point you know i'm gonna go visit my mom and i hope everything goes well and So you make that choice, you you try to make things right, you try to get that reconciliation, you go, it's a positive experience, and something's rebuilt, and you go back to your dad and say, Dad, and you didn't mean anything by it. You weren't trying to to put anything in his face or anything like that, but you were just excited. Dad, I went and talked to Mom, and I think things are going to work out. Well, I don't know why you don't want to have anything to do with that woman. You ever had something like that happen? Maybe you're a young lady, and you, and you and you decided that that you know you're gonna get you got engaged, and you're gonna get married, and and so you went to tell your mom, and instead of saying, "Honey, I'm so excited for you, I can't wait to plan. This is gonna be awesome. Congratulations," your mom said, "Well, good luck with that, because all men are just a bunch of jerks." Because of her bad experiences in life, have you ever had that happen before? Some people cannot celebrate with you what God is doing in your life because they are focused on themselves. A moment that you were changed, when God has done something significant for you, they could not be a part of that because they could not be happy for you because they're thinking about themselves. Look at what happens in these verses. There's a lot of first person personal pronouns in these verses. I, me, my. His son says, look. Now, that word is a pretty strong word. It means behold. It means pay attention to this. So the the son's kind of walking up to his dad. He's saying, dad, I want you to kind of check this out for just a second. Pay attention to something, okay? Are you noticing something here? Okay, so he's sort of talking really assertively to his dad. He said, for so many years, I have been serving. What's he saying? Shouldn't I get some credit? Shouldn't I get something special? I have never neglected what you said to do. By the way, he might be estimating himself a little highly because it says in this situation at least, there was a party, his dad invited him in. His dad was not only asking him and he responded, but his dad was pleading. Okay, so that's not exactly the model of obedience, amen? So here he's kind of giving himself a lot of credit here, but let's just go with him for just a minute. He says, Dad, I've always done everything you've asked me to do. And yet, you never even gave me a measly, skinny goat. And yet, this one, this younger son, who had the gall to ask you for his inheritance, who basically said, Dad, you're as good as dead to me, who went out and wasted all that, a third of what you've worked your whole life for, has probably been doing who knows what with, doing who knows what with who knows whom, he comes home. Now you're willing to do all this for him. Do you hear the sharpness in that tone? He's obviously very jealous. He's obviously very, being very pointed in his actions toward his dad. If you're coming back to God, it is wonderful. Praise God. The Bible says there's a rejoicing in heaven. There ought to be rejoicing on earth too, Amen. And we rejoice with you, but not everybody's going to be excited that you've given your life to God. Your spouse may not be excited at first. Your son, your daughter, your child, your extended family. There may be, listen, there might be something about your decision that threatens them. That causes them to have some questions. And certainly, to some extent, we should be very patient with that, amen? Because listen, especially if you're a dad and you're coming to the Lord and you come home and you tell your kids, Hey kids, we're getting God now. Can't you imagine that being a little bit, oh, we've never done God before. We've never done church before. What does that mean? Are we going to become some of those religious crazy peoples? I mean, are you going to make us dress up and to have to wear a suit? Do they have to look like Easter every day? You know, I mean, all this kind of stuff. There's just a lot of questions. Can we watch TV shows that we like? Just what is this going to look like? So, to some extent, we should be patient with people. But we should expect it. Your coworker might say, hey, bud, that's great that you got that Jesus stuff, but don't be bringing it around here so much. Okay? Your friend. is going to wonder, am I losing my drinking buddy? I mean, is this going to change? I mean, we should go out on Fridays and Saturdays and have a good time. I mean, I'm not so sure I'm crazy about this. Your parents. Sometimes parents, you know, when when someone comes to the Lord, they say, well, "What are you saying? Are you saying we didn't raise you right? Are we saying that, that the church that we gave you, or are you saying, are, are are you are you trying to make us feel bad that we didn't take you to?" So all these emotions begin running. We need to anticipate that when we give our lives to God, don't be surprised by it. There are gonna be other people that may not be as excited as you are. And you need to realize that there's something about that that may threaten them, that may bring some things up in them. Maybe it's not giving your life to Christ. Maybe you are a Christian, but you're following God's path for your life. Okay, so what does this mean? Are you going to load up and move somewhere else? Are taking my grandbaby somewhere else? You know What is this going to mean? I mean, people have questions, and we need, to, we need to realize that and expect that. But it's difficult, isn't it? When your life has been changed and God is at work and you want to share that with everybody. But instead of sometimes even the closest people in your life being excited about that. Sometimes they're thinking about themselves and that's disappointing. But there's another reason. It's not just that because to some extent we can kind of understand a little bit of that can't we? Put yourself in the other person's shoes and we should do that amen. Amen. If you were the one coming to God first, if your spouse came to God before you did, wouldn't you say, hey, wait just a minute, what's this mean? Okay, so to some extent, that's understandable. To some extent, that's a natural reaction. But to some extent, it can mean something much more serious. Some people are being a little bit self-focused at first, but some people are just ignoring God's heart. That's a little more concerning, isn't it? Especially if this is a person who claims to know the Lord. What am I talking about? Well, I'm sorry that you're going to have to find this out, but some of the people that are going to oppose God's work in your life the most are people who claim to be followers of His. It may be your grandmother who says that she's a Christian. She doesn't like what you're doing. She says, you know what, buddy? I love you and everything, but you're taking this a little bit too seriously. How many of us have heard stories about church members who say they're Christians, but they're very territorial? Have you ever heard of somebody going to church before and somebody at the church insulting them? Or somebody at the church saying, what are you doing here? You're not welcome here. Have you ever heard of a story like that? I've heard lots of stories like that. That person claims to be a Christian, but they're not welcoming people who are coming to God. By the way, if you ever hear about that happening at New Hope, please let your pastors know. Because that is not who we are here. Amen? If people are coming to God, they are welcome to come to the Lord. In fact, to be honest with you, that really is the specific direction that Jesus is taking this story. There were people who were supposed to be followers of God, but they were blocking people. They were people who were actually not, not only the, the followers of God, they were supposed to be the closest followers of God. They were blocking people from coming to God. They did not support people who were open to God. They were giving them a hard time. You talk about confusing If you get to a place in your life, you say, look, I don't know if God likes people like me. I don't know if God would accept somebody like me. I don't know if I could go to church. I don't know if I would be welcome there. And you come and you finally, it takes a lot of guts, amen? That's why we do everything we can to encourage you. People welcoming you at the door uh, during the welcome time, trying to have a friendly atmosphere around, encouraging us as a church family to show the love of Christ in real ways because we don't want there to ever be a question. Praise God you made the right decision, amen? And so it's confusing. Wait a second. I thought God wanted to work in my life. I thought I was welcome to come to Him. Why don't you want me to have Him like you do? Look at the heart of the Father. Really, the heart of who? Who's this describing? The heart of God, amen? Verses 30 and 32. First of all, earlier in verse 28, the Father is pleading with his older son. Son, this is great. Join in. Then in verses 30 and 32, we see the the father being very patient, very gracious, very tender. The son's being very arrogant. He's thinking wrongly, completely off base here. The father's being very gracious with him. and He's reassuring him. He says, son, listen, I love you as much as anyone else. You've always been with me. Everything that I have is yours to have. Then he shares his heart with his son. But he said, but son, we had to celebrate. And he puts it like this. The wording that he used, it's, he says it was necessary. It can be translated, we must celebrate. Basically, how could we possibly not be excited that your brother, how could that happen? That just doesn't make sense. This brother of yours, he puts it back on him, Amen. Now that this son of yours has come home, he says, but this brother of yours, he was dead. He's come back to life, buddy. He was lost. He was far away from us and in danger for his life, and now he's been found. Unfortunately, though, it's very common. It is very, very common across our country for people to call themselves Christians. Listen, friends amazingly, even like the Pharisees and scribes, even many so-called strong Christians are not supportive of someone else coming back to God. For those of us who might say, well, maybe we'll be a little bit unfair on that older brother. Let's look at it. There's no doubt the older brother had done some commendable things, right? Okay, if it's true what he's saying, and I think there's probably a measure of truth in it, he says, I've been working hard. That's a good thing. He says, Dad, I've tried to do everything you've told me to do. I'm thinking he's maybe giving himself a little too much credit because he's already disobeying his dad here pretty quick. But let's give him some benefit of the doubt. He's trying to do the right things. He's never dishonored his family. He must have been a pretty likable guy because he says, you've never thrown a party for me and my friends. So we know he had some friends, right? So he's a pretty decent guy, good guy overall, especially compared with his younger brother. But listen very carefully. Lord is trying to show us. One of the things in these verses is those are good things, but they're not the main things. This is very important. Christians, many times we get slightly off kilter. If you think about a journey, it may seem slight right here, right? But if you keep traveling, it what happens? Eventually it's far away from where we intended or where we needed to be. Main things; those things that he was doing were good things. But the main things—what are the two main things the Bible talks about? The two main things that God expects from our lives. What anybody know? Love God. Love others. Right. Those are the two main things. If you're looking, am I am I living a life that is pleasing to God? First of all, give your life to Him. But then, after you give your life to Him, what is it that God wants for my life? He wants you to love Him and be what He's about. And he wants you to love others and care about them and their condition. This guy showed that those were not a priority for him. We've got to be very careful as Christians, don't we? That we're not doing good things but missing out on what? The best things. He said, God says in his word, I want you to love me with all your heart. If you love me with all your heart, you're going to love others as much as I love them. Or in the same way, with the same passion, with the same heart that I do. You know what this tells us? It is possible to do some very God-honoring things, but not to have the heart of God. Would you think about that for just a moment? It is possible to be doing some very God-honoring things with my life, but missing completely the heart of God. Does that scare you? Does that bother you? The Bible is teaching us, I can read my Bible every day and miss the heart of God. I can look for opportunities every day to share about God and miss the heart of God. I can pray all throughout the day and miss the heart of God. I can give financially. I can serve in many ways. But the Bible says it is possible for us to do all those things. But our heart be far from God. I cannot tell you how many times I say to myself, God, help me to check myself because I'm doing a lot of stuff, amen? The more that you get involved with God's work, the more concerned you ought to be about this. God, I think I'm serving you, amen? I think I'm doing your work, but I need to make sure that I'm not just going through the motions of religious activity, but I'm not even close to where God wants to work in my life. God talked about to His people in Isaiah chapter 29, verse 13. He said, this people draw near with their words and honor me with their lip service, but they remove their hearts far from me. Their reverence for me consists of tradition learned by rote. That's why so many times during the service you hear me say, were you reading? Were you listening to the words you were saying when you were singing? And I don't say that to be ugly because the only reason I'm saying it is because I was thinking about it for me. I'm constantly asking myself, Robbie, are you, are you thinking you're walking with God, but completely missing the boat? We've got to check ourselves, amen? If you lead kids' church in music or drama, that does not make you right with God. If you welcome people with a great big smile at the door, that is a wonderful thing. That's a one, that can be a wonderful act of service to your God and King in worship, amen? but smiling at the front door of a church building does not make you right with God. If you preach God's word in a way that people can hear and respond to God's word and his message, but you are not following God, that is not pleasing to the Lord. Maybe you serve fellowship. Maybe you're an usher. Maybe you give time during the week to make our building look nice so that it can be a nice facility. Maybe you're... Maybe you're going to be coaching a kids soccer team as we as we start a new soccer league but that does not make a person right with God. Yes, if we love God, we will serve him. But just because you're doing religious service does not mean you have the heart of God. There's two big things that the Lord is communicating to us in these verses. First of all, listen friends. Is your heart open? Are you listening? Don't be so concerned about yourself. Did you hear what this brother said? What about my party? What about my recognition? Why didn't I get a trophy? Why didn't I get an award for being a good son? Friends, the Bible is trying to teach us be concerned with what God is up to and be contributing to that and just be thankful that you get to be a part of the whole thing. Amen? Listen, instead of worrying about having your own party, be excited that God is at work and that someone else is having a party. The great blessing is not what we get from God, but that we get to be with God. Did you hear that? That's the blessing. And I'll tell you a little secret, okay? If you go with God, you will be blessed. Okay, that's a little secret. But the Lord says, don't go with me for the blessing." Go with me because you love me. Go with me because I'm worthy. Go with me because you want to be a part of my work. And so when I see God having a party for someone else, I can't do anything but say, praise God. Somebody's life has changed. I'm glad I get to be here to see it. That's what God's saying. Don't be looking at what you can get from me, but just be glad you're with me. Like I just said, listen, here's a secret. If you and I realize how sinful we are, if we turn to God, we get a party too. <laughs> there is nobody riding God's train that's, that's going to say, oh, I got a bad seat. Amen. There's nobody that's going to say, oh, I got a bad deal. First of all, I don't even need a party. I'm just glad God is at work in that. I'm just praising God that I get to ride the train, even if I'm the caboose. Amen. But I promise you, if you turn your heart to the Lord. Listen, I tell people all the time. People come to my office and say, Pastor Robbie, I'm sorry to bother you. I'm sorry, I'm sorry to share this with you. I know you got so many people. I know you, you're so... I say, this is what we do. Listen, I tell people all the time. There is nobody that is a part of New Hope Community Church that is any more important than you. Amen. By the same token... There's no one that's any less important than you. Amen? God is tickled about all of us giving our lives to Him. Some people are so close to God that they don't need God. Did you hear me? There are some of us who feel like we're so close to God that we don't think we need God. Friend, if that is you, That's a tough reality to come to grips with, isn't it? That's hard to admit, but listen, you are worshiping the wrong God. You have an image, you may have some of the same terminology, Jesus and salvation and Bible and church, but if you're so close to God that you don't need Him, you're not following God. Part of the message of this oldest son is that no matter how well you clean up, Every single one of us are in need of the grace and the mercy, the forgiveness. We ought to fall at our feet and just say, God, have mercy on me. I'm a sinner. Amen? And listen, after you do that, never get too far away from that. I love what someone said before the service. I've heard it expressed by many others. Jesus came into my life and I've never gotten over it. Amen? Amen. How odd that some people who see themselves as so mature, so close to God, but when they're in His presence, they don't even know it. That's what scares me. How about you? Now listen, I've shared with you before. If it does scare you, it probably means you're not doing it. Do you hear me? But if you say, huh, I know somebody needs to hear that. might be you is it me lord that's the question i have is it me because i don't want to block anybody from god amen no even that that it's not even i don't want to block anybody from god i want to help make the way easier for as many people as i possibly can because he's worth knowing amen this story is kind of shocking Kind of like that North and South movie clip I showed you at the beginning. It's supposed to end with a kiss. No explosions. That's what the girls tell me anyway, and I'll go with it. All right, all right. But This story is kind of like that, isn't it? Fortunately, it's the sad reality of this world that we live in. Not everybody is open to God. At least yet. At least right now. So you need to be aware of that. If you're coming home to God, don't let other people discourage you. Amen. Anybody? Just follow the Lord. Just trust. Be be patient. Be gracious with others around you, especially those that are close to you. They're trying to process, and even if they never receive that, realize that it's gonna happen. Try to be a good example, amen. Try to love God in front of others and show them what a difference He's made in your life. Try to share the love of Christ with them. And if you claim to be one of God's children, would you ask the Lord today, God, please make sure that I'm not getting in someone else's way. Wouldn't it be sad if somebody was sitting in a service like this right now? And if they were thinking about their relationship with God, they were kind of discouraged because I was the one that was not encouraging that decision. That would break my heart, amen? If one of you was not moving forward with God because I was discouraging that, that would break my heart. God help us. And listen, you never never get to the point where you're There's never. I I was joking this week with my kids. You know, there's somebody on TV. I think it was one of the. You know, the NFL draft. I think one of the one of the guys that got drafted was bragging about how humble he was. You know, (laughs) we Christians do that mess. I'm just so thankful for how much God's making me humble. What? You know what? We just never need to get too far away from this. I'm a sinner. Who is a terrible mess. Waiting to happen just any moment now. If it were not the grace and the help and the power of my Lord. There is no telling what Robbie Lankford can do. Bad things, amen. And God, I just pray that you help me to stay straight. Until I get to heaven. But I thank you today that even if I'm not perfect, that I'm forgiven and cleansed and I have a relationship with you. Just stay in all of that. God, thank you for choosing me. Would you bow before the Lord for just a moment? I want to ask you if you're a Christian here. If you would say... I've got to be honest, I haven't even realized it. I think of myself as completely not a Pharisee, not a religious leader keeping people away from God. I, I want to bring people to God. But If I think about it, I've said some things this week. I've had some attitudes towards some people in my family are at work. It probably didn't encourage them to turn to God. First of all, would you thank God that he's keeping your heart tender enough to see it? Amen? God, help my heart never to grow so cold that I can't see what you're wanting to do. And then would you say, dear God, I'm sorry for doing that. God, help me. Even with my best intentions, I didn't mean to do that. Or maybe I've gotten a little proud. Maybe I think I've learned something. Maybe I know the Bible a little better at some people at work and I've, and I've accidentally gotten proud of that. God, please forgive me for that. Bless your heart if that's you here right now. That you would stay in that teachable position, that humble position, even though you fail. That you come back to your Lord and ask Him to keep working. we wrap up this series on coming home. I wonder if it's time for somebody in this room right now. You've gotten your life in a mess. You know you've been running from God. In this series, this message has been his call to you that he's, he sees that. He cares about you and he's trying to rescue you. He's trying to, it can get worse. He wants to to change your life. Would you turn towards the Lord and say, God, thank you for loving me. Thank you, Christ, for dying for my sins. And I ask you to come into my life and to forgive me, God, and be my Savior. I want to turn my life over to you. I want to follow you. Father, thank you for somebody who wasn't sure what they'd find when they came to God. They found a God who is there with open arms. We'll receive your gift. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.